Pornhub. Pornhub. The Pornhub Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. Today's guest is Liz Goldwyn, a woman of many talents. Aside from being complete Hollywood royalty, her grandfather is the Samuel Goldwyn, her grandmother is silent film actor Frances Howard, and her brother is Tony Goldwyn, the hot president in Scandal. Uh, Aside from all that, she is an author, a filmmaker, artist, and perhaps most interestingly to me, the founder creator of the Sex Ed. The Sex Ed is an educational site that explores sex, health, and consciousness in the digital age. It's also home to Liz's podcast, The Sex Ed, which I was actually a guest on not that long ago. Uh, You know, in a time where so many young people are looking to porn to educate themselves on sexuality, Liz's platform is a really important one. I'm so honored to speak with her and continue to discuss ways in which we can make sex ed less shameful and more easily accessible. Um, You know, and aside from all that, Liz is just such an interesting person. She's unlike anyone I've ever met before, and I really enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you do too. And no tea. (laughs) We did a talk last night for the sex ed at the wing. We did about motherhood and sexuality because you're a MILF. Yes, I am officially a MILF. And I did, as soon as I became a MILF, I did your podcast on the sex ed. Um, and now we're in bed together. And now we're in, literally in bed together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, feels like a natural progression. Yeah, I have a very lucky life. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So about your life, I kind of wanted to ask, so... You are, I mean, undeniably Hollywood royalty. Like that's, you know, an objective fact. And to see someone from your background coming into the sex space is really exciting to me. I think as the industry, we generally feel pretty shunned, I think, by your side of Hollywood. Um, and And anytime anyone expresses being sexually positive or um, from the mainstream media, I I really appreciate it. But like how, I guess my question is like, how did that happen? Why why are you here? (laughs) Well, that's a twofold answer. Um, For one thing, I've always been fascinated by sex since I was a really little kid. I would steal my dad's Playboys. My dad was a total Playboy, Uh um, loved women, um, you know, was on his third wife when he passed away. And uh, yeah, loved women. So I would steal his Playboys from when I was little. My mom is super, super feminist and was on the board of Planned Parenthood. She works with the UN um, on women's sexual health and also, you know, violence against women. So I kind of had two sides of the coin growing up. And I was the kind of kid who would come home from school and ask, what's a transsexual? What is a sex change operation? You know, these sort of questions that maybe most nine-year-olds aren't asking. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was just just fascinated by human sexuality. And I could kind of just intuitively feel that it was something that people had a lot of shame over. But you yourself, like your family did not. Well, even though my parents were both super liberal, Mm -hmm. 
And I worked at Planned Parenthood from when I was 13. My first job was at the clinic in Santa Monica in Los Angeles, answering phones. Okay. Um, and organizing their media library because this was pre-Google. Uh-huh. So people would come in and check out information, books, VHS tapes, if you can believe it. And um, so because this was like early 90s. Right. Um, and pamphlets. And I, so I was, you know, a kid, but a lot of single parents, especially single fathers would come in who had like daughters my age looking to talk to, you know, I need some information to talk to my kid about sex. That's great. And then I also became the sort of de facto person amongst my friends at school because I had access to this information. <sighs> Meanwhile, I have these liberal parents, but they're not really sitting, they're answering my questions about what a trans what's transsexual what's sex change this and that but they're not ans- they're not really talking to me intimately about you know as you and I were talking about last night they're not really saying masturbation is healthy or this is when you know you should maybe have sex or not have sex or they weren't really speaking to me about that because I think parents are super freaked out mm-hmm. about that so the sex part of my interest in my life and my career was there all along I always was like fascinated and you know I started researching for my first book on burlesque when mm-hmm. I was 17 that I, I wrote a book Pretty Things and made a documentary Pretty Things that I sold to HBO so that was always there when you say your side of Hollywood mm-hmm. I have a complicated relationship to Hollywood because I'm a I'm woman sure. I'm a woman yeah as you say I come from a Hollywood family mm-hmm. Hollywood is a boys club Things are changing a little bit now, post Me Too, Time's Up. I love my family. I have four brothers. My grandfather, you know, made the first film in Hollywood in, uh, I want to say it's either 1914 or 1916, mm-hmm. called The Squaw Man, with his partner Cecil B. DeMille, who was a famous filmmaker, and Jesse Lasky. And um, so literally, he founded a lot of the studios in Hollywood. And um, contrary to what most people think, we have nothing to do with MGM. They actually named it. They bought the studio my grandfather founded, and they stole his logo, which was the lion. Goldwyn <gasps> Pictures was the lion roaring because his first, um, his first office was in New York, across from the New York Public Library, which has the two stone yeah. lions. So they took, they named. So Metro Pictures basically bought the actual lot, and named it after him. Took him to court to sue him to get him to stop using his own name. He won. Um, so we have we had nothing to do with MGM, um, but That's so interesting. yeah. So he founded a lot of the studios that are now you know big the big studios in Hollywood, and uh, my dad was an independent film. That said, and three of my brothers are in the movie right. business. So not only were you in a you say Hollywood is a literal boys club, you were also from a family full of boys, full of boys, only girl. I have a sister who's 26 years older than half sister. Okay. Uh, who's 26 years older than me. So we didn't grow right. up together. So I really felt from a very young age, just very conscious of not only within my own family, but looking around like, fuck, you know, uh, you know, people would always sort of put that on me, say, well, movie making is in your blood. Yeah. You're probably going to make movies. And I am like by nature anti-establishment and rebellious so I was like I'm not going into movies I'm not going into movies and in fact funny that that's your (laughs) definition of anti-establishment anti your rebellion is not going into movies but I I did I actually did I Mm -hmm. did and I was years into making my first documentary 
before I could admit I was making a movie, but I funded it all with grants and and it was about women and sex and sort of a darker side of it so people had trouble with it and at that time you know i was i was actually cutting that film on the lot at paramount because at the time my brother john was the president of paramount mm-hmm. and the guy who was had a post-production who's old school love him love dirty old men took a shine to me and let me have an editing room and i was the first so this is like 2004 I was the first woman on the lot, director on the lot, in nine years. Wow. And it was, so it was really like, I'm telling you, things have changed only in the last couple and now, years in Hollywood. Uh, like, well, what well, like my ex- the ratio even? I mean, probably it's still, still not, not. I mean, t- uh, Time's Up's trying to make it 50-50 by 2020. Right. But just to give you an example. Do you think you, that's realistic? I hope so. I think, I think shame, mm-hmm. or like in a lot of different Shame can be used in a good way to force corporations to do things like have more diversity mm-hmm. in the, you know, in equitable but positions of power. But like, let's say power. right now in 2019, are we even close to 50-50? We're not close to 50-50, but we're getting, we're getting a okay. lot better in Hollywood. I think, right. you know, because a celebrity has such a big lens. So obviously Me Too Time's Up shown because it's Hollywood and mm-hmm. they're famous people. It's shown the biggest light on that industry. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh shit, we need to clean up. Mm-hmm. But like when I was on the lot at Paramount back in 2004, you know, I had pictures of strippers all over my cutting room <laughs> wall. And they didn't know people, the guys didn't know what to do with me because yeah. I wear red lipstick. I like to dress. I like You're to a whole wear dresses, other animal in every way. And I'm polite, you know. So they, I would hear them referring to other women as like either you're a bitch or you're a dyke. Uh huh. You know, to be powerful, to be a powerful woman, to be empowered. And I like to think I'm empowered, but I'm not. I mean, I can be a bitch, right. you know, but I think you catch more flies with honey. So yeah, I when you say your side of Hollywood, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I I have a lot of problems with the, I with like elitism in general and um, shaming people for what is the world's oldest profession, mm-hmm. which is sex. And and do you? So do you feel that pushback, like from your friends and your peers, or I guess friends is a weird word to use for that but maybe like people you grew up with for a long time in my career I did because I've written two books around sex the Mm -hmm. last one was sex work in sex work yeah and I've spent like close to 10 years on each of those like I said I started the research on my first book when I was 17 and both those books I was going to do as PhDs like for me that's the ultimate glamour is academia like that's like to me the most glamorous thing I could do is that's have, your fetish it's totally my fetish libraries are totally I have so many fantasies involving libraries like professors you kind of look like a very sexy librarian that's totally what I'm going for <laughs> yes but like a totally oversexed librarian <laughs> Like not not by any means subtle, really. Like all I want to do is uh, have my lover take me to a really chic library with lots of leather chairs and like floor to ceiling books. Like the J.P. Morgan Library in New York would be the ideal. Um, <laughs> meet me in the stacks. So anyone listening out there, <laughs> if you can make that happen. Yeah, brains really turn me on 
It's funny you say that because you came to the Pornhub Awards and I know you were one of the few people who the part you were most interested in the show was all the data. Oh my God, data is so (laughs) sexy. I literally, for my last book, Sporting Guide, which is set in 1890s LA in the world of vice and prostitution. It's it's historical fiction, but it's based on research. Mm-hmm. I read all of the microfiche census, census records from LA. What even is that? From 1840 to 1910. Like, you know, microfiche is the, you know, it's it's like electronic. So you read it on a screen. Okay. Um, but it's all the census records. Oh. So it's really, they're really fascinating. Like I super geek out on, on research and data because I think you can learn and also first person stories because you just learn so much about humanity. What did you learn that. from that? I'm curious. Well, like, like what was something the whole new age movement was born really in California, almost like the country was tipped west and all the mentalists, palmists, healers, clairvoyants, psychics. That's uh, not surprising. Came actually. to came to California. But like almost every other at a certain point, they're in still like, in California. They're still in California <laughs> for sure. But at a certain point, like in 1880, Almost every other entry is like healer, mentalist, clairvoyant. <laughs> um, is I don't know. I would just. Why do you think that is? I think it has something directly to do with the entertainment industry. We had no entertainment industry oh. then. This is this is pre movie business. So, <gasps> so my book is what? pre pre movies. So it's well, our health, the the weather. A okay. lot of people from Europe and the East Coast were coming west. They had tuberculosis, the consumption. It was drier climate. Um, California was tooted as like the land of health. We had the citrus groves. Um, it was kind of expansive. It's not, I mean, it's post-gold rush. It's kind rush. of ironic because now with all the smog and... I know. Well, it rained yesterday, so the air quality was better. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's why we have the most beautiful sunsets because it's apocalyptic weather. <laughs> <laughs> the silver line, the golden lining. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I guess I want to talk more about like the overall feeling of sex in Hollywood it's this weird thing to me because you know a lot of people in porn escort Mm -hmm. and a lot of that escorting happens with people in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and yet when it comes down to supporting the sex industry in any way it's it's kind of hard to get that kind of support right and then I mean we have someone like Kanye producing and directing the Pornhub Awards and he got kind of a lot of slack for it and like so I mean, have you, would you say you've lost friendships over it? Well, I would say to answer your question before, throughout my entire career, because Mm -hmm. it did start early in this field, people, my entire career, why do you care about dead strippers? Mm -hmm. Why do you care about, now we say sex workers, but then why do you care about prostitutes? Um, So yeah, it was an uphill battle Mm -hmm. my entire career. Um, And what what is your answer? My family, I will say my family was always really supportive. Uh Um, You know, my brothers, when I was like, you know, a teenager, I was, you know, already interested in brothels and sex work and courtesans and the history of it and as I told you last night I actually built this performative one night only installation of a bra- 1890s brothel with in Mac LA cosmetics. Yep, yeah um, with Mac cosmetics supported it um which I'm very grateful to them and for their work supporting safe sex mm-hmm. and the AIDS foundation um 
but they were they were always supportive and understood understood it they mm-hmm. might not have totally like got it now I think they're fully like wow she's really claiming this but this mm-hmm. was always my mission mm-hmm. and yeah I got a lot of pushback I definitely got people thinking it was weird or uncomfortable but then on the side everyone was calling me and asking me questions mm-hmm. and wanting to know things and when I told you I went to the AVN Awards mm-hmm. uh, and convention, I was actually in Vegas because Chanel had flown me there for an event. Whoa. For like a really f- actually super fun party. And yeah. ha- AVN happened to be at the same time. And when I told some of the PR or whatever at dinner, I was going, they, they were like, oh my God, that's so cool. And they all like got tickets the next day <laughs> to go to the convention. <laughs> that was like 2013. I would say in the last couple of years, you've seen a big influx of mm-hmm. people getting into sexual wellness for a business. Why, why is that, do you think? Again, it's like post Me Too Time's Up, corporations have made big payouts because they're getting hit with sexual harassment lawsuits, etc. So it's kind of like the same thing is happening with diversity. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, let's put a person of color in our marketing department or in our marketing materials because we can't sell things anymore being like, an all-white company right so you have to kind of look at it like how real and how authentic is that like it's almost passe to shun sexuality at all it is but it's still people are still a little bit squeamish and for sure it's interesting because a lot of the new sex tech and sex wellness companies they're not accepting adult they don't they don't include adult industry and they don't include sex work which is crazy because if you like are you you're familiar with malcolm gladwell Mm -hmm. and he has his ten thousand hours Mm concepts that you know you're an expert if you Mm -hmm, have mm -hmm. ten thousand hours you've spent ten thousand hours (laughs) in the field (laughs) i think that was recently wasn't it debunked I think was it I, I thought so or maybe I don't know I, it was probably something I read the headline of and didn't read the actual article but I, I thought I heard something about that but yeah absolutely if it's up to 10,000 hours absolutely I'm an expert I mean I just I've done my 10,000 hours done... of sucking dick for sure yeah so I think like I would want to hear what you have to say about your tips for blowjobs and anal sex right because I think that you would have a lot to say like last night we were talking about it uh, it's funny because someone wrote um someone wrote a piece for our site anal sex 101 because mm-hmm. we have essays on our site and they're they're an expert and I asked I was really overwhelmed we're only five people so I'm doing a, I'm doing a lot of the st- sex ed is five people that's it that's it five people yeah it's a really small team and two one my creative director Ruba my graphic designer, Violetta, social media manager, Courtney, my podcast producer, Chloe, and then we have a, a sound editor, Jeremy. So it's right. really small. So I'm doing like copy editing everything myself right, right now. And um, I was really overwhelmed when that essay came in. And my mom is actually a writer. And she was like, honey, what can I do to help? <laughs> I was like, well, actually. can you edit this essay for me? I didn't tell her the topic. Hopefully she's not listening to the Pornhub podcast. <laughs> and um, she was like, okay, I'll help you. So she gets, I sent it to her. And she's like, I don't know anything about anal sex. I'm like, that's great because I want, this is an anal sex 101. Right. So it's you for want the reader, it for, that, the- for the person who's curious but never tried it. So she sends me back an edit and she's like, well, she talks about, the author talks about the poo and will it hurt at the end. And I think you need to move that up to the beginning. <laughs> and 
<laughs> but it was the best note. It was yeah. the best note because like I'm not trying to be like a site that's going after because no one's really an expert in any of this. Right. Right. But it's so important to like break it down in those practical ways. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I wanted to ask about that, too. Like, do you I mean, it sounds like you do see a space for porn in sex, sexual education. A hundred percent. But but porn itself, without the sort of comprehensive, psychological, mm -hmm. intimacy, vulnerability, consciousness education is not sex ed. Right. It's entertainment. It's entertainment. Do you think there's room for those things to cross over? I'm making room on the sex ed for sure. I mean, we, you know, we have had conversations and pr promote yourself, mm -hmm. Nina Hartley, Lexington Steele, Paul Fishbein, who founded AVN. Um, you know, there's so many, we have a lot of sex workers um, on the site and in our podcast. A hundred percent I do. Do you think there's room in porn itself, like the actual product porn? Is there, is there a way to, and I'm genuinely asking this, like there's no answer in my mind really, but is there a way to make porn educational or do you think those things should just be separate? Well, I think you have a lot of people trying to do that right now. You have like Erica Lust, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with her work. But like are, I, I'm familiar, but um, I'm familiar, but I, I just, I don't, I can't really say that anyone I know in real life is actually watching porn to learn anything, if that makes sense. Like they're e they're either looking to learn things well, and actually, then watching Well, actually your porn. friend last night at dinner was saying that she was watching porn because she wanted to learn techniques That's for true. jobs. That's true. So I think, unfortunately, that's what we have is like to, to learn from. And so you have a lot of young people or people in general that, lo that are looking at porn and thinking, well, that's what their partner, mm -hmm. especially if it's a, like a new partner or someone they've never been with, mm -hmm. wants to try. And what we're super freaked out about is actually talking about sex mm -hmm. is actually like before we're in that situation saying, you know, this is these this is you know are you have you been tested mm -hmm. when was the last time you've been tested are are we monogamous are you sleeping with other people and this isn't even about like hey put a ring on it yeah it's literally like the safer you can feel um you know the, the more, more intimate of, you can be yeah the yeah, more sure. you can let your freak flag fly yeah absolutely i i think i think the porn we have now and i'm not that makes it sound like I would want to change it in any way. But I, I feel like two adults, like let's say like in that scenario that you just described, like a, a couple that's like newly dating and, you know, they're watching porn to learn what more they how they can expand their sex lives. I think like once they've had the conversation of consent, once they've had the conversation and they're aware that, you know, different people like different things, blah, 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 then porn is a great place to learn tips and, you know, just about new sex acts and what's out there really to explore but like I'm wondering because I get asked the question a lot of what what do I think of young people kids watching porn and thinking oh like a oh a gangbang this is what sex is like mm -hmm. what what do you think I don't even know what the question is, but well, I like, think people want to hold you. They're probably looking at you and saying like, you're personally responsible for this. Oh, absolutely. Which is, that's like saying, um, 
yeah, I don't think the argument that like we should outlaw pornography, first of all, that's like, I think anti-feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's like you, you can't put this stuff back in the box. If we already know sex is the oldest profession we're talking about since the dawn of time, mm-hmm. you know, Romans, Greeks, um, in all over the world, India, like this is this is the reality. You can't just like stop human nature. Right. So you have to figure out ways to make it more ethical, to make it more profitable for mm-hmm. the women and the sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to have the tools to understand that, to understand that choking, for mm-hmm. example, um, what I mean, you know, no disrespect to what you're into. If you're going to engage in choking, you don't do it without discussing it. Mm -hmm. And you don't do it when you're not facing your partner Mm -hmm. because you can't have someone, you you need to see their face. You need to see if they're turning blue. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. super, it's super dangerous. Mm -hmm. And these things also like, just like anal sex, as you were talking about, you for when you do a scene, you start preparing 24 hours in Mm -hmm. advance. Anal sex doesn't just happen. Right. It doesn't just happen and it's like an amazing experience. So I think you're, you're, you know, you're making big leaps in that area with, you know, with spaces and sites like the sex ed, I think there's finally a place for people to go to, to find that stuff out. Right. Because I think until very, very recently and still very often now, I think a kid learning about their body, becoming horny for the first time, curious about sex, like very often, like what else is there to look for but porn, right? Like something like the sex ed wasn't available until recently. It's kind of, and you know, that's thanks to the internet. It's kind of like you said, like you would have to go to Planned Parenthood. And even then, like, are there that many books on Right. On- no, and I would steal my pa- my parents would give me when I was little those puberty like cartoon books. Yeah, I had those and, too. Yeah, like where where am I where do I come from mm-hmm. and what's happening to me? I was uh, Nick Kroll who has Big Mouth. It was mm-hmm. who was on the po- our podcast. He had the same books, and we were talking about that like sort of that was like an influence on their animation style. Um, but I would steal other books from my parents' library, like everything you wanted to know about sex, and were afraid to ask. And you know, I was always on the lookout for more than adults would tell me. And kids are just going to be like that, yeah, because adults are too freaked out to you know have those conversations. So what what is the answer? Like, are we supposed to be? You know, I have a kid now. I'm curious. Like, what? Do you think these are conversations that need to happen at home? Should there be better sex ed in schools? Like where does sex ed belong? Okay, well, there should be sex ed in schools. I don't know that that will happen in our lifetime, unfortunately. Really? I wish it will, and I hope to be proven wrong, but where our country is at politically right Mm -hmm. now, I mean, it's a shit show, Mm -hmm. um, and... There's supposed to be a separation of church and state in general. There isn't, yeah. No, but I mean, we had a great Muslim sex educator, Sahar Pazada, on the show who's doing great work in that community because I think people learn about sex from their religious or cultural background from from home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those spaces, they're just – the the education tactic is none. Mm -hmm. It's just let's just ignore it. I think also not just religiously but like culturally too, like in – a lot of Asian cultures, that's definitely how we do it. 
I mean. So you have all these people growing up with shame, but also not. My real sadness is that people aren't really tapped into the true pleasure potential Mm -hmm. that they could get into. Mm -hmm. Also, because I think we don't align our consciousness and our spirituality with sexuality. And we don't teach young people how incredible and sacred their body is and that they should get to know their body Mm -hmm. before they introduce anyone else into it. We put a lot of our pleasure into other people's hands. Mm -hmm. I also think the association we like create as an image like for young people that like sex is so um like hardcore related to love yeah i i don't think that's cool no sex and love are not the same i thing. think i think um i think when people do make that association they're trying to make sex this beautiful thing but i think it actually does quite the opposite i think it makes it this shameful thing when you're not in love right like it it's it's now it becomes this thing where like oh my god I've, I've given myself to someone I don't even love someone I've only met once yeah and it's I, I think it's I don't know I wish we would kind of quit that narrative as well well like I think the a lot of people now especially because sex is so transactional with dating apps and everything mm-hmm. sex is like can be an, an escape and it can mm-hmm. be a great escape, but it can also be like a mindless escape. Mm-hmm. The way that we would, you know, use food or alcohol or drugs or television. I've heard you say that a lot of people use sex to, ironically, they use sex to escape intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, or run away from intimacy. And I think that's like such a perfect way to put it. And I, I'm myself definitely guilty of it for many, many years. I, I think even just now I'm starting to like even have really intimate sex where I'm I am connecting my consciousness my emotions you know I am starting to feel love with sex and it's it's definitely next level is next level but I think it's scary for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because you know we're not taught that especially men like men need so much like love and support because they're not taught that being vulnerable is okay and expressing their feelings are okay. And I think the best sex that I've had is when I'm super, super connected and in sync and and intimate with with my partner. Of Mm -hmm. course, like, you know, there's something incredible, as you know, about just like a, you know, a hot fuck. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. But, but, you know, I'm personally, I'm really interested in Tantra. I'm mm-hmm. really interested in combining mindfulness with sexuality, which is what the sex ed is about mm-hmm. and breath work and getting to those states of like transcendence, getting to those states of ecstatic bliss, like in different cultures, there are, um, there is, there are sects of different religions and particularly in India that look at sex as a religious practice as as ecstatic like a communion with in a good way in a good way a communion with god goddess spirit Um, and I do think like I've had experiences where I'm doing for example kundalini yoga with my partner and doing that every day for for a week and really working on our breath work and our pelvic floor and then having like mind-blowing sex Mm -hmm. because you're kind of in that zone and i think there's space for all of it i just feel like we need to be more mindful about the way that we treat our body and our sexuality we need to understand that our sexuality is a huge source of power mm-hmm. and the energy we exchange with someone else is is real so where is this conversation supposed to be happening do you think is it mother to child or parent, parent to child like, i think is it should it? happen at home i uh, but i again i think we have 
I think it needs to happen in space. I think the internet can be used yeah. to have these conversations. Yeah. Because we're unfortunately we're not at a point culturally where I think parents are really ready. They're starting to learn. Yeah. Like my wish would be in school and at home. Yeah. And for more religious spaces to have openings. And they are. We, we've we had rabbis on the program, mm-hmm. had minister on the program, Gwen McClendon, who's been a sex educator since 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like to see it in those spaces. But for now, I think it is. There are spaces on the Internet. There are books you can read. And there it's, are people in your field. Well, that's what like I was going to ask. Like Jessica Drake yeah. and Nina Hartley who are speaking really openly about sex education. For too. sure. I'm wondering, I mean, this is the Pornhub podcast and I'm wondering like, Pornhub does a lot in like the sexual wellness space. Like they have a sexual wellness site where there are articles by experts and like you can go there to um, get a lot of real information. Um, and, and I think they do a lot for sex in general. They have put sex in the mainstream for example a lot and they're always working on that always working on normalizing sex they are very pro sex worker um they're constantly being innovative about ways uh performers can monetize in a safe way um and perhaps not give 99 percent of the money to a male producer um so I-, I think they've been on the forefront of a lot of things but I'm wondering, like, in your opinion, is there, like, is what can Pornhub do more in, in the sexual education space? And is that even their place? I don't think people are going to Pornhub for that. Right. Um, you know, as you know, I'm dying to get more of that Pornhub data because <laughs> I'm so horny for that data. <laughs> I'm so horny for that data because, you know, I just, I find it, I would find it fascinating to see like in what countries, what's trending more, mm-hmm. you know, what, how long are people spending? Right. And also just the information you dropped of 120 million page views a day mm-hmm. versus 18 million views on the Game of Thrones season finale, finale mm-hmm. is just incredible but then at the same time like going back to like hollywood or the mainstream accepting accepting porn that's insane to me just when if you have that kind of if you can come if you have that audience if you have those eyeballs and you still like i mean all of those companies are in the business of making money yeah like you would think everyone would want to ad- advertise on pornhub but I, yeah, but it's really like it's very hypocritical. Like even why in the way that? that that Hollywood shuns porn. So why why why? Like why do you think that's even a thing? I think it's just a strange industry. People are you should see what Hollywood's like at awards time. Everyone's like looking over their shoulder over your instead of looking in your eyes like I am now, I'd be like looking to see who else is in the room, who can advance my career, who's more famous, who... That's a good metaphor for Los Angeles in general. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, people do that at, like, Ralph's. And I think people... I think that's, like, where we're at right now in our time period is that celebrity has become this ultimate goal, like, that that's the, th- that's the thing that's going to bring you satisfaction and happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's just... Unless you get it via sex. <laughs> then no thank you, right? <laughs> but I think... It's not ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, so people are just like on that ladder. And then and then what? In that way. I That's mean, why Kanye, I think he'll be just as he's just as ostracized, actually, for um, the, Jesus, the stuff. Jesus stuff as he is for for the three things I think people are most freaked out to talk about are sex, death and religion. 
Mm. And those are like the subjects I love to talk about yeah. on the sex ed. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like you. Like anything that's really taboo is automatically interesting to me. Like if people don't want to talk about it, it's all I want to talk about. If I'm not allowed to say something, it's all I want to say and all I want to talk about. So do you think like you'd even be interested? What What if like sex were normalized growing up? What if it were just like eating? Would that be interesting to you at all? But Do you eating think isn't you... normalized either. We have such weird relationship to food. Yeah. In but, America, especially. True. In California, especially, especially. Yeah. But I mean. Am I attracted to things that are not okay? I mean. <laughs> like what if, what if sex work were like being literally any other job, an accountant? Would you have written two books? <laughs> on, on I don't know, but I'm interested in all sorts of things. Like, yeah, I'm so I'm not sure. Like, you might be surprised at some of my other areas. Like, I'm really big on gardening. I grow my own food. <laughs> you are a true Renaissance woman. I actually read an uh, an interview on you, and I read something where someone asked you what you say to people when they ask what you do, and you said. I think your answer was, you said something like, I like to tell them I'm a high level madam. <laughs> what does that even mean? I used to, I used to always fantasize, like before I was interested in burlesque, I was really fascinated by courtesans because I would think if I was a woman born in another century, like the 15th century, let's say, what would be my choices? I could, uh, any of my choices would be dictated by my vagina. Mm -hmm. I could lock myself in a convent or temple and devote myself to God. Oh, and go in that direction. Go that direction. <laughs> uh, I could be someone else's property, mm -hmm. literally, mm -hmm. um, that I didn't choose, but it was, you know, a good deal for my family. They got like 12 cows for yeah. me or, you know, <laughs> or I was uh, taken as a prisoner of war. Um, or I could be, a, you know, at the high end, a courtesan, um, you know, so I was always fascinated by Remind me, like, what is a courtesan? So a courtesan would be like a high end sex worker. So like like Moulin Rouge. She was kind, a kind of, yeah. She was a courtesan or courtesans of the Italian Renaissance or during the Follies Bergere in Paris, which is like the 1890s. In so Paris. they're high end escorts basically yeah and they're and like i would read these biographies of these women who would get like gift of a corset made of diamonds from cartier by their <laughs> lover and they were sort of allowed to mingle with the greatest poets and musicians and politicians and crowned heads of state of the day and i was like uh that's the one that i want to do were they respected <laughs> well not by polite society, not by other women, whether women were trying to tear them down. But at mm -hmm. the same time, look at the choices that we as women had yeah, they up until respected. about 100 years Nobody ago. Nobody was respected. Exactly. So <laughs> we were second-class citizens. We were second-class <laughs> citizens. So why would you doubly shame someone for making an economic choice mm -hmm. to get by? Um, yeah, so I think that's – I can't remember what the original question was, but that's sort of – I guess high-level madam was maybe just a joke. I don't know. I find it hard to answer small talk or when people are like, what do you do? I've done a lot of different things. You know, I've made films. Yeah. I've written books. I've designed jewelry. I'm an artist. So I just feel like, oh, I'll just – say I whatever I say doesn't matter like I'll just say that people also I think with my last name are always going to like come to the table with like a certain amount of um 
opinions about me yeah. already. So. Yeah, preconceived notions. Yeah, so I'm just like, oh, whether I'll good just, or bad. Yeah, I'll just say say this. And does that like can a person like you go on Tinder? I can a person like me go on Tinder? No, I mean, and I don't <laughs> like mean that with any offense whatsoever like I'm just wondering like is that a realistic option for you well the thing well you know I've I've kind of been in relationships for for since I was pretty young but um I am so old-fashioned like I write letters I'm like do you have like the wax seal I don't have a wax seal but I love writing letters and I'm like very like 1950s housewife you're very um you're very romantic. I'm super romantic and sentimental. So I think I would have a hard time with that. That said, I have this friend who's like, I don't want to say his name because he's kind of famous, but he's like a teen heartthrob. Stop. And you, oh my God. You're no, killing I can't me right say now. his, I can't say his name because he would get mad, but I'll, um, he totally probably listens to your podcast. <laughs> he, he, we were both break, bro- broken up at the same time and he had some dating site he was on called raya no it wasn't no it wasn't raya it was one where you it's like it was all about like getting offline and going on a date i can't remember the okay. name of it but he was like he made a profile on it and i'm really good at writing other people's like tinder raya yeah. profiles i love doing Not it yeah um so he was like come on just do it with me like it'll be fun we can create a fake name so we put he did one for me and it had like a wig on. So you, you guys were going under aliases. Yeah. My name was Weetsy. No, my name was Witsy Bat. No, it was oh. Witch Baby. Weetsy <gasps> Bat's sister. <laughs> my for name. anyone that doesn't know the Weetsy Bat books, uh, it's too late to They're explain. So if you good. get it, you get it. But <laughs> we bond over teen novels. YA novels. <laughs> but um, so my name was Witch Baby. I had a picture of me in like, you know, with a black wig on and burlesque costume and I... Anyways, so he did that. We do this at night. We go to bed. We're away somewhere. We wake up in the morning and I have so many messages and he had like none. And he was so <laughs> Wait, but he pissed. was also going under an he, alias? He, but he had his own picture. So no one believed it, it was him. Blink once if it's Justin Bieber. It's not Justin Bieber. I'm, you blinked. I'm, no, no, no. no I'm totally a believer. <laughs> I love, I've seen both Justin Bieber documentaries. So good. But I, do you it's think not it's Justin possible? Bieber. Not that level of and not that level of heartthrob do you think it's possible to watch a well-made documentary on anyone and not completely empathize with them um as a documentary filmmaker (laughs) yeah it's hard not to because that's also you have to love your subject if you're going to spend that much time like you haven't done your job if people haven't fallen in love with your subject unless they're like hitler yeah yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> unless some some people, unless are, they're Pol Pot or yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people who are assholes. But Justin Bieber, I, you kind of gotta love those Bieber documentaries. <laughs> no, but he. So, anyways, that was my only experience with that. Um, so back to the question. I mean, can you could you go on as yourself, Liz Goldwyn, and like, I mean. I'm just, would, I would think, you do that, I think I I'm too old question. fashioned. Like I want like to meet people, you know, through Authentic. authentically. Oh. And also I, a lot, I go, mostly it's a lot of times it's through work. And um, yeah, I think I'm so like, I don't have people, 
I'm really into energy. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm quite vulnerable, actually. So uh, and sen- very sensitive to people's energy. So I don't let you have shoes on in your house. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I really have to get a sense of someone and not through the Internet. And I think that like texting, I think people get into this game of like texting before they meet each other in person. And it creates a false sense of intimacy, mm. you know, so people like think they have this whole relationship because they're texting with someone for like weeks, but not meeting. And I just personally like I have a lot to do. Yeah, and I have a really full life and a lot of people I love in my life. So I yeah. can't waste my time like that. It's also not just the time aspect, but I think when people are texting there's a i think everyone has their in-person personality and a texting personality and sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse but i don't i think it's i don't know that there's anyone who's like their texting game is exactly how they present in person yeah you know what i mean a lot of people are a lot funnier in text a lot of people are a lot colder in text i don't i don't think that i don't know i mean i i also have never been on tinder or bumble or any of the sites and i also raya like the concept of raya freaks like i like i said i'm anti-establishment and i'm anti-elitist so i already like kind of come from that background model so anything for me that's like you can only be in this club if you're like a super cool hipster influencer a model whatever i look at my friends raya accounts and i'm like i literally know all those guys <laughs> but you know everyone. I there was only everyone. one person's one person who I've brought up that you didn't know, and I can't even remember who it was. But like anyone else, you're like, oh yeah, I know them. <laughs> I've lived a lot of. I mean, I've I I hang out in a lot of different scenes from I mean, like sure. skater. You know, I grew up with like my guy friends growing up with pro skaters, yeah. and I love hip hop, and I'm in the you know spaces that you're in in the adult world, yeah. and Hollywood or art or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. So maybe yeah, dating sites. That's not how I've met anyone. Yeah. What kind of people do you date? Well, I I met my ex-husband when I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dated a lot of artists. I've dated a lot of artists. So that's your type? Well, no, I'm kind of uh, redefining that now. Okay. Sort of- artists that don't wear shoes in their house. <laughs> I feel like that's actually like a very small Venn diagram. my last my last my most I'm in the I'm in a breakup right now and mm-hmm. he was in the cannabis actually okay uh, mm-hmm. he was in the cannabis space um he wore flip-flops on our first date and I loved him anyways <laughs> they were shorts and flip-flops hey, on our first but date what is more anti-establishment anti-elitist yeah, he than wearing really, flip-flops to a I first like date. people who are real <laughs> I like people who like yeah, I like people who I can talk to about anything, mm-hmm. who aren't caught up in a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like people who are just like comfortable in themselves and established in whatever space they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I guess I kind of have a like slightly eccentric. I mean, first of all, to someone who's comfortable with what I do and understands mm-hmm. that even though you know my friends can include people from a lot of different spaces, that doesn't necessarily mean that I have like a dungeon in my house mm-hmm. and I want to be, you know, in whips and chains every mm-hmm. night. I want to be cooking you a roast chicken. Right. Someone who's like <laughs> in my socially intelligent enough <laughs> to understand that. Yeah. 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 And that like, I do have a, you know, I hope that like when I'm in my eighties, I get into some freaky shit that I'm not I hope into so too. Now. I, th- that's one thing like, 
so my husband I almost said like the guy I'm with now but like my husband (laughs) um one thing like I love about him is we're definitely like still very like we're still both really open to learning about sex and even though like I've been fucking him on and off for like the last what like 20 years it, I still feel like we're constantly like learning new things. We're trying new things. We're trying to learn new things. And I think, I think like that's, I, I hope we do that forever. You totally. know, like I, it would be so sad to think for me, like, okay, this is the kind of sex I'm going to have forever. Like that, nothing sounds more sad to me. That's where porn can be useful. A lot yeah. of sex therapists I know. Um, I actually met Nina Hartley. I was telling you through the chair of the sex and relationship therapy program at mm-hmm. UCLA who passed away this year at 86. Mm-hmm. And he used a lot of, he had a lot of um, adult stars in to mm-hmm. lecture in his class and mm-hmm. would use a lot of porn in his own practice. I Speaking of that, like, do you think, so... This time around that I've been with Sean, I've been with him for like three or four years now, but like every relationship I've been, and that's not like terribly long, it's long, but not like the longest, but every relationship I've been in like prior to this, by the time we broke up, like we weren't fucking. Oh, see my, I, my ex-husband I was with for 13 years and that was not the issue. Okay. So that's what I want to ask. Like, so you don't think that that's bound to happen? I mean, I think it depends. I think because of what I do for a living, I'm so like conscious yeah. of my my sexuality being part of my overall like self care and wellness. Yeah, like it's an integral part of yeah, your life. it's an integral part of my life. So I definitely, I think you have to work at it. Like a yeah. lot of people say, oh, I'm in a relationship or a partnership. We're both so busy and we haven't had sex in weeks or months or whatever. I'm like, you got to schedule that shit. Get on the right. iCal. Like yeah. you exercise, you make your, you know, you make your workout like a important part of your day. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to make sex and mm-hmm. make time to connect. And also sex doesn't have to include an orgasm. Mm-hmm. You can literally spend time touching or licking mm-hmm. or, you know, just doing all sorts of different things. That's one thing I really think I, I wish we would talk about more is like sex doesn't have to result in an orgasm sex especially doesn't have to result in male orgasm because i think that a lot of times and absolutely in porn that defines the duration of sex when the man comes and it's but also it's over. so much pressure on men like you know you turned me on to the john ronson butterfly effect mm-hmm. podcast which is kind of about like the butterfly effect porn hub and streaming mm-hmm. porn has had and mm-hmm. it's really tied to as well the rates of erectile dysfunction and mm-hmm. ejaculatory disorder which we have great articles on on our site by the way um and I think it puts a lot of pressure on men too yeah. to think that, I mean, I know so many young men that have trouble yeah. and then they feel terrible. Yeah. So I think if you kind of take that pressure off, like we're just going to, you know, we're just going to touch, like it's, we're not going to have goal-based sex. Yeah. This is just like our time to be, to be naked or clothed or There's eye gaze. There's also so much more to sex than penis and vagina. Totally. Right? Like I, I think... Like one thing I really love is like even after he he comes, like I love to continue sex after that. Like to me, like that alone is a turn on. Like even the fact that that's happening is a turn on. And like I just, I, I wish, I wish there were ways 
I, I wonder if the reason we don't make porn like that is, is it not marketable or is it, is it just because there, it would never end? <laughs> like what? I do think, people not I like to watch? I think there's a desire. I think there's a desire for it. It's just we want everything so fast. We're like fast, yeah. fast food, fast sex. Yeah. We want that like, oh, fuck, I need to like, I need to watch some porn. I need a release. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I think it's hard for people to get into the idea of I'm just going to spend 20 minutes like instead of taking a nap or whatever. Yeah. I'm just going to like touch myself and not let be like stressed out that I'm not going to come. I'm just going to like relax myself that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We should stop associating sex exclusively with coming. I think so. Yeah. Also, like, I don't even watch the cum shot in porn. Like, I'm kind of bummed out when the cum shot happens. No, because, okay, well, I watch, we've talked about this before, but I watch exclusively gay porn or dudes jerking off. Like, that's my favorite. And, like, I, it's almost like a bummer when the guy comes because it doesn't always match up to, like, when I want to come. <laughs> and, like I said, even when I'm masturbating, like, the duration is determined by when the dude comes. <laughs> but, like, so I have to, like, rewind the video, go back far enough that I can give myself time to come before he comes. And, like, it's, I, I don't know, like, I, it's, I, I, and when I know, I do know that when we're shooting porn, like, we put a lot of emphasis on the male orgasm. Totally. Like a lot of our day revolves around the male orgasm. Well, I personally am really into um, manifesting through masturbation and oh, through what orgasm. What do you mean? Manifesting like what? Whatever it is like, that I want. Like, I mean, like, or what is it? Th- thoughts become things? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. But why do very hippie dippy California? No, teach because me. Because orgasm is such a powerful energy source. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to Tantra, going back to like the religious or ecstatic experience of sex, like it is. It's so powerful, mm-hmm. your your orgasm. So if you can channel that energy towards, it could be a feeling. It could be, I want this job. It could be, you know, I want to bring a certain type of person into my life, whatever it is, or you know, happiness. It could be a color. You could you could think about a million different things. So the key is to think about something while you're orgasming. Yeah, well, have that intention in your mind. I don't know if you've ever set an intention. Like, have you ever gone to a yoga class? And they're like, set an intention for your practice. So set an intention for For your masturbation. For your masturbation or even your sex with a partner, solo sex or partnered sex. Set an intention or I'm, you know, I've, got like lots of altars in my house and (laughs) you know no big deal casual (laughs) just casual I grow ceremonial sage in my garden get over it (laughs) yeah I make people like all sorts of crazy witchy things but yeah I like I love really like to do that yeah and I was telling you about orgasm breathing Mm -hmm. the other day yeah wait so hold on you kind of told me about it you you casually mentioned this thing called (laughs) orgasm breathing which what is that? Okay. I so love we, when I hear about things that I'm like, that so are completely foreign to We me. also have an essay on our site called Orgasm Breathing. On the sex ed. On the sex ed that you can, you can read about. We, again, we're sex, health, and consciousness. And the consciousness part to me is very key. It's a holistic, integrated view of your sexuality, mind, body. Um, so orgasm breathing is a technique where you combine your breath and your pelvic floor muscles to have an orgasm hands-free. No toys, no touching, nothing. 
just almost like you're using your yeah your breath control and meditation. wait hold on i have okay pause, <laughs> pause. i'm getting excited i'm like on my knees right now like but up on my knees um anyway okay so my husband and I will sometimes do this thing. It's almost like a challenge where he will try to make me come without touching me. Uh-huh. But he'll like, so I'll like close my eyes and like really focus and he'll just like talk to me. So it's dirty talk, essentially. It's like phone sex, except I'm not masturbating. And like sometimes I can like literally come just by him saying like it takes a while, but like him talking to me about certain things. Is that similar to this? Um, Am I unknowingly doing it? Ish. No? no, because this would be like you on your own. So like okay. if you on your own can do this and then your partner on your own on their own can do this and then you guys get together. Okay. And it's like that's like the, the next the next big long love in my life. Okay. Um that I'm gonna call him in right now. <laughs> We're gonna manif- I'll manifest him. Let's manifest you know what? Him. Tonight I'll dedicate my masturbation please to you. Please dedicate my. Ma- <laughs> please dedicate your masturbation to me tonight. I would love that. Um, I'll I'll give you like an offline list of the qualities <laughs> I'm looking for. My five non-negotiables. But so okay, the pelvic floor muscles are no matter what your genitals you have, it's the muscles that you can contract when you want to stop your flow of urine. Okay. Right. So you know. What so that is. essentially, if you have a, a penis. Kegel. Yeah, a kegel. If you have a penis, same. When you want to drop your flow of urine. So I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now as well. Okay. So you combine that with the breath, and the breath is kind of like the in breath is you're sucking in like like through a straw, like, and you want that breath to be very very long and deep, and you want to start that muscle contraction at the bottom of your breath. So. I'll, I'll walk you through it and then we can okay. do it together. So imagine that breath is coming up like through, we call it your root chakra, but you can think of it as your perineum or your or your rectum. And that breath, as you're squeezing that, you're going to keep you know sucking in that breath like you're sucking in the straw and it's going from your rectum, perineum, up through your sacral chakra, sacral chakra which is located below your belly button, up through your solar um, plexus, which is your stomach, up through your heart chakra, which is where your heart is, your throat chakra, and then your third eye, which is between your eyebrows. And then slowly you let it out. All the while you're continuing to contract those pelvic floor muscles. So this is a very, very long, deep in-breath and a very slow, steady out-breath. And that whole time you're contracting, when you get to the very, very, very bottom of your exhale, like you're back down to the rectum, you release your pelvic floor muscles. And you notice how that feels. And you should start to feel like a little bit of tingling, a little bit of sensation. Like how often in general are you sitting there and noticing what do your genitals feel like right now? Like we don't often just literally never, never just be like, what do I feel like right now? Are they sweaty? Are they moist? Are they itchy? Are they dry? Are do I have am I thinking about something like I think just putting a lot more awareness into that and then practicing that breath like I learned it a few years ago and then you can take yourself on a little date and Mm -hmm. and just practice that for like 10 minutes 15 minutes whatever however long and I mean and that makes you come eventually it's insane that it's almost without being exactly similar it's very similar it's very close to like how I make myself come even during sex I mean with with the contractions the contractions like I know that if I contract and like kind of put my mind in a certain place like I can guarantee myself an orgasm like even if 
he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's key. I think that what you just said is key because I wish that someone had taught me orgasm breathing around the fir- around like when you're first learning to masturbate because mm-hmm. it gives you as an individual so much power and control over your orgasm so you're not depending on someone else. And then by the time that you are starting to have be intimate with other people, you just can have such better sex. Yeah. You know? I, I really do think I really do think it's possible like whenever whenever I hear people like saying like oh he sucks in bed like there's definitely a part of me that's like how hard were you trying though do you know what I mean <laughs> like how hard were you trying or I don't know I mean <laughs> I've definitely had no I've had experience. bad sex too but not actually I not that much like I can usually kind of put myself in a place where I, but I think that makes me perfect for porn. <laughs> like I can usually find something about anyone that I like and I can find the fun in any. I could not do your job. One, because I'm, I'm definitely a director. I'm way too controlling. Like I've done some things in front of the camera. I'm fine being myself in front of the camera uh-huh. and like talking about my subject, but I've had people put me in stuff before and I hate it because I'm like I want to know I want you know what's the DP doing and what about this lighting and I don't like my I don't oh, like you the script the worst. I'm like this makeup <laughs> is terrible like I want to be in control of the total yeah, vision yeah 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 so I couldn't do that I couldn't do that plus I'm de- I'm definitely like yeah I'm too I would be too self-conscious to be to have sex on camera mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's I think that's the probably the main thing because you can't have fun like that yeah, I mean, you, you know? really, it's... In, in anything, in anything, like comfort, it's kind of like what you said, once you can be comfortable and feel safe, then you can really start being intimate. Totally. Right? Yeah, like you can't have fun of. How old, What at what age do we start educating people about sex? I mean... Asking for myself. <laughs> from when, as soon as possible, um, appropriately. Mm-hmm. I but think. like... What is that? What does appropriately mean? Tell your kids the proper names for their genitals. Yes. Um, use words like penis and vagina and vulva and anus. Um, tell them when they start touching themselves, which they will do very mm-hmm. young um, because it's normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to say that my cat licks licks his ass and mm-hmm. his balls all day long. And animals, I mean, you know, in nature are not ashamed to do so. So we obviously have societal conditioning and it's not appropriate to touch yourself in front of other people unless it's consensual. So instead of saying, don't do that, don't touch yourself, you know, explain that that's a really special sacred thing and um maybe you know it's totally normal it's totally okay and yeah it probably feels good right um but that's something just for you and maybe you want to do that in private in your room Mm -hmm. so just talking about it normally and keeping the vibe of constantly checking yourself on your own judgments and Mm -hmm. shame around it so when your kid asks you something like notice your reaction immediately notice like oh my god does that make me feel like tight in the chest or nervous or like have something in my stomach like where's that coming from what was I taught do I want to pass that down to my kid how am I going to handle this in a way where my child feels like super safe to come to me you know no matter what yeah we can have this open conversation around this instead of 
shutting them down or being like, well, we can talk about that when you're older or saying things like, you know, you're Wawa. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because then the kids just confuse and they're that's what they're going to do. They're going to go and find it elsewhere. So you think like you would say you would recommend that as soon as they start asking about it, just... Yeah, as soon as you see them touching themselves, like, I mean, I had a friend just the other day who has a five-year-old say that she caught her her daughter and a a boy, her daughter's age, were playing doctor, and they were touching each Mm -hmm. other, and she said, what do I do? How do, how do, you know, I don't know what to say, and I'm like, you got to talk to her about it now, because you don't want her to be in a position where there's, you know, an adult or someone else that's touching her and she doesn't know that that's, that's not, not okay. that's not okay and she doesn't know how special and sacred her vagina is yeah you know and that's hers to play with and touch so like how would you even phrase what what would you what would you tell that kid when she came to you um well i you know we just had this conversation and you know i was like yeah you should talk to her about it and be like yeah it, it feels good right uh-huh. do you, you like doing that it's is it does it feel nice to you right um you know that that's okay you know and that's something that's nice if you want to do that in your bedroom like that's okay but you know you and also you need to explain to the kid consent because you don't want to have your kid touching another kid you know and thinking that that's okay that someone else's genitals are okay to touch I almost feel like like because I've you know having just had a kid like I think about these things a lot especially he's a boy I I mean I guess I would think about it whether he's a boy or a girl or whatever but uh, he I I think about consent a lot and I'm starting to really think that like the conversation of consent I think I think these days we really associate consent with sex right like yeah it's it's in a sexual context that we talk about consent right now a lot it's it's what's trending I guess you could say but like I think the conversation of consent in just just in general i think should come so far ahead of sex like oh my God. that by the time we're yeah. talking about sex it should be a given that you don't touch someone sexually or non-sexually if they don't want you to well like what i was telling to my friend this mom i was saying you know when you take her to the doctor mm-hmm. what does the doctor say before he wants to examine her and she says the doctor says is it okay if i touch you so I was like, exactly. I was like, your doctor is not going to touch your child, especially not going to examine your child's genitals without giving the child the agency and the autonomy to have control over their body. So we need to teach kids very young that they are in control over their body. Yeah, so you know when they people... they have the agency yeah, when, to say, no, I'm exactly. not And you know how like we used to say, oh, you have to kiss your aunt, Martha. Totally against or, that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't... Kids don't... May, they might feel uncomfortable. Yeah. No, you don't have to kiss anyone you don't want to. You don't have to hug anyone yeah. you don't want I'm to. I'm totally with that. We all need to learn our boundaries. Yeah. Because then it's like, you know, yeah, it's like your uncle fingers your asshole and you're like, oh, well, I guess I should let him do that because... Because no one talked to me My mom to told me, me that it. I have to hug him, so where's Yeah, and the also line? no one taught me early on how, like, beautiful and special my my genitals are mm-hmm. because they're just so freaked out about it, so I think they're dirty. Mm-hmm. So they're this thing that's, like, not... That's why, even with the orgasm breathing, like, yeah, how often are you sitting around thinking about what you're feeling below mm-hmm. your legs? Not at all. Although, you know what's interesting is I never think about it for myself, but I constantly think about... I guess this is a whole other thing, but I think about like what it must be like to have a penis. And like, I always wonder, like, do guys know they have a boner 
without it touching anything. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I've, I, I can't stop asking this question to men and I get all these different answers. But like, I, I always want because yeah, if it's like pressing up against something, sure, you know that it's like, you know, in a different state. But like, I wonder if just floating in air, like, would you know if you have a boner? <laughs> and I... I don't know. I remember one time, like uh, I was somewhere cold when I was a teenager, and this I, I was I love hot chocolate with the whipped cream, yeah. and I was like in line for the whipped cream. And there was this kid who was a couple of years younger than me who was like using up all the whipped cream, and I was like, um, excuse me, and he saved me some, and he grabbed in between his legs, like suck my balls, bitch, and I was like, oh my god, and I thought. The only reason I would want to have a dick is so I could do that. So I could <laughs> grab myself and be like, suck my balls, bitch. Because I feel like that's something that's so like empowering. <laughs> but because honestly, like lick my pussy, asshole. Not the same is like, That's like a, that is a fucking privilege. Exactly. You should that be so privilege. fucking lucky to lick my pussy. <laughs> yes. Like, why would I wish that upon you? <laughs> Whereas balls. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Balls can, I mean, balls can go in a few different directions. (laughs) It's not always a privilege. No. Not all balls are a privilege. But, but, um, you actually have a flight to catch. So I have to let you go. I could talk to you forever. But thank you You so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Um, tell me when you masturbate. (laughs) I'm going to manifest it for you. (laughs) I, you know what? In exchange for telling me who the heartthrob is. I will dedicate I'll tell, my masturbation I'll tell to you. you that. Off, off. I'll tell you that offline. Offline. Exactly. All right. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.